Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Lives that are being changed. That is the vision of LifeKate Church, changing lives. And I got to tell you right there on the screen, you just saw four lives that are forever changed as a result of what God is doing through the people of LifeKate Church. Two little kids who their life will never, ever, ever, ever be the same. A mom and a dad whose life will never, ever be the same. And that's what we're all about here at LifeKate. It's about the stories of lives that are being changed. And I got to tell you, you got a story. I've got a story. We've got a story. But here's what we've learned in this series over this last four weeks together is that it's not my story. Come on, everybody say, it's not my story. It's not my story. It's not your story. It's not our story. Whose is it? Everybody say it. It's it's God's story that yes, we are a part of the story and God is telling a story in us and through us. But when we get down to it, right down to the heart of the matter, that is not really my story. It's not your story story. It's not our story. It is God's story. In fact, that's what the scripture says in this key verse that we've been looking at through this whole series and through this whole journey that we are taking together as a church. And that is this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says that Jesus Christ is the what? He is the author and perfecter of our faith. That it's his story that he is telling through every single one of us. And so what we have decided to do in this journey Not just a series that we're doing, but actually a two-year journey that we're going together through as a church. What we have decided to do is let God be the author of the story. So everybody say, let God be the author. Let God be the author of our story. And here's what I know about my story, about your story, about all of our story, is really when you think about it, in light of the big story that God is telling, our story is really just a short story, isn't it? I mean, when you think about it, when you think about how big the story is that God is telling and how small the story is that he's telling through us, man, it's really just a short story. And I don't know about you, okay? But here, here's what I know. When I was in school, maybe some of you would be with me, I liked short stories. Come on, raise your hand. How many all over the place? Like, I got to tell you, like, I know that I should, but I don't really like to read. I do it because it's part of my job and I do it because I know that I should. But really, like, if I can get out of it, I kind to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I like short stories. In fact, I'm not really proud to say this, but when I was in college, I took an English literature class and I, I got to tell you, I made a B in the class and I didn't even read one of the books. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? Like I just listened really good, took really good notes and, the, and all that. And okay. Don't do what pastor did on that. But here's what I know. Like, like when it comes to reading, I really appreciate a short story, but when it comes to my story that I'm telling here on the earth, I want it to be a long one. Come on. How many know what I'm saying? Like, let's make it as long as we can. But when you get down to it, what you got to know is like your story is part of a bigger story. And you're really just telling a short story in light of eternity. In fact, this is what James was talking about in James chapter, chapter four. You know what he says? He says, here's what your life is. It's like a vapor. It's like a mist. Like it's here for a moment. 
and then it's gone. You know that, that fog that was on your mirror this morning after you got out of that nice hot shower? It was there for a minute, but then it was gone. Here's what James says, that's your life. That steam that comes off of the nice hot cup of coffee on a nice cool fall crisp morning. That steam that's there for a moment but then your coffee cools. Guess what James says? That's your life. In light of the big story that God is telling, like the little story that we are living is really just short. And here's the bottom line for today's message. If if you don't get anything else, get this. Like if my story is really just a short story, then I don't want to waste it. I want to make sure that I'm getting everything I can. I want to make sure that I'm stretching it, that I'm maximizing, that I'm getting all that I can out of the story, out of the life, out of the mist, out of the vapor that God has given me to live here on this planet. And that's what I want to talk about for just a few minutes today. In fact, I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 or open your, open your LifeGate app today. You can follow along there or in your notes in your worship guide today. And I want us to look at it together. I want us to break down this passage just a little bit because I think this is what Paul is telling us. He's saying, hey, I don't want you to waste the story that you have. I don't want you to waste the life that God has given you. And so look what he says in verse number 14. He says, wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Be very what? Everybody say it. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey guys, if your life is short, if you only have a short amount of time, if you're only telling a short story, here's what I want you to do. I want you to wake up. And I want you to recognize how short your life is. And I want you to make sure that you do not waste it. I want you to make sure that you are making the most of the story of the life that God has given you. I started thinking about this. You know, when I look around as a pastor and I see things that are happening in our culture and I see people living their lives, sometimes as I look at my own life, what I realize is that a lot of people are wasting their lives. A lot of people are wasting the story, the time, the breath, the vapor, the mist that God has given us here on this planet. And I just kind of started thinking about why do people waste their lives? I think there are a lot of things. I brainstormed, wrote several down, but I just want to share just three of them with you this morning. If you're taking notes, you might write them down. The first one is I think a lot of people waste their life living in fear. Everybody say fear. Isn't it true? In fact, I think there are a lot of people who would listen to a message like this and they would say, man, that's right, Pastor. I want to do something with my story. But here's the thing that's holding me back is I'm afraid. Like, I'm afraid. What if I, what if I risk something in life and it doesn't go the way I wanted it to? What if I make a decision and say, yeah, I do want to do something with my life. I do want to tell a God story with my life. But then what if something happens and I'm, I'm afraid to take the risk? I'm afraid to live by faith. And so what happens is many times we shrink back and we end up wasting the life, the story that God has given us because we end up living in this place of Fear. And I don't know what it is for you. I know what it can be for me sometimes. Maybe it's the fear of failure. Like what if I try and I fail? Like what if I what if I want to have faith for what God wants me to do with my life and I step out and I and I attempt to do it, but then it doesn't happen and what will I look like? 
And how will I feel? And so I'd rather sit back here and play it safe because I'm afraid if I step out in faith and live the kind of life you've been trying to get us to live in this series, Pastor. What if I, what if I fail and I, and I'm afraid? What if I, what if I decide to commit myself to this stories campaign over this next two years and say, Hey, this is what God wants me to give. But then what if I can't do it? And what if I fail? There's this fear, this fear of uh, fear of failure. Maybe it's the fear of, of rejection, man. I know I've felt that before. Like, what if, what if I try something and then people don't like it? Like, what if I say next week when we do our stories, you know, commitments, I say, this is what God wants us to give over the next two years. And then my wife finds out what I wrote down. Right? Come on, right? There's this fear, this fear of rejection. What will people think? And, and how will I feel then? Maybe it's even the fear of the unknown. Come on, isn't this the world? lot of us are like I want to step out in faith but I don't know what is out there I want to do something with my life but then I don't know like what tomorrow holds and I don't know what the economy is going to be like and I don't know what my job is going to be like and I don't know any of that kind of stuff and so I'd rather just sit back and not do anything with my life than step out because of the fear that I have what if I fail what if something happens what if I'm rejected what if I don't know what's going to happen and all of these fears hold us back and cause us to waste our lives. And here's what I know. If you live your life in fear, here's, you might want to write this down. If you continually live your life in fear, here's what's going to happen. You're going to end your life in regret. That one day you're going to get to a point, you're going to wake up and you're going to go, man, I could have done more with my life for the things that really matter, but I was so afraid. And now instead of fear being the biggest thing in my life, it's now regret. Why do people waste their story? Maybe it's because of fear. Here's another one. Maybe it's because of laziness. All right? I'm just going to say it. Sometimes we can be lazy. Right? And here's when we get down to it, here's what happens. Is a lot of us, we, we would want to do something with our story. The problem is, is that we want to make a difference, but making a difference is hard work. It is. Like you hear a sermon like this and you go, man, I want to do something and I'm fired up and I'm inspired to do it. But then you go out and you, you, the inspiration turns into perspiration. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's hard and you, man, it's, and and you go, man, I want to do it, but man, it'd be easier to just sit back here and not really do anything. Right. And here's what happens is that we wind up taking, taking the easy path and the, the, the path of least resistance, but then we end up at the end of our life and we have nothing to show for the story that God has given us to write with our lives. We wrote a boring story because we were lazy and we wanted to be comfortable. And the Bible talks about this actually in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 30. Solomon actually tells us what happens. He says, hey, I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. And this is what I saw. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles and I, and I cut and it was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. And then as I looked and I thought about it, I learned this lesson that a little extra sleep and a little more slumber and a little folding of the hands to rest. And here's what happened. Poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity attack like an armed robber. In other words, Solomon says, if you live your life in laziness, here's what's going to happen. Not only are you going to waste what you have, you're going to lose everything that you have. And you're going to wake up one day and your life is going to be covered with weeds. And you're going to realize that, man, I lost it all and nothing that I did in my life really mattered for anything. We got one story to tell. Don't waste it. Your life is a mist of vapor. It's here for a moment. It's a short story. 
Don't waste it in fear. Don't waste it in laziness. Number, number three, write this one down. I think this is the biggest one for probably for all of us. Why do we waste our life? Excuses. Come on, everybody say excuses. Excuses. In fact, one of the greatest ways to waste your life is to live your life with excuses. And can I tell you this? Everybody's got them. Isn't it true? In fact, I, you know, excuses are kind of like armpits, you know? Everybody's got them, and most of the time they stink. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, I thought that joke would be funnier than that. <laughs> but here's the deal. Isn't it true? Like, this is the way most of us live. We got an excuse for everything. And most of the time, our excuses really don't amount to much of anything. In fact, Jesus talked about people who made excuses in this parable that he told in the book of Luke chapter 14. And and he tells us about this guy, this rich man who's going to put on this party. And he begins to invite all his friends and neighbors and people to come to be a part of the party. And as he invites them, look what happens in verse number 18 of Luke 14. It says, but they all alike began to what? Began to... Make excuses. The first one says, I just bought a field and I must go and I must, I must see it. So please excuse me. Another one says, well, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I have to be on my way to try them out. So please excuse me. And another one said, I just got married, so I can't come. Please excuse me. And it's interesting right here. Like he's got a party for everyone to come and be a part of. And they start making excuses. And one guy uses his wealth as an excuse. And another guy uses his work as an excuse. And another guy uses his wife as an excuse. And when you get down to it, they all seem legit, don't they? Like pretty good excuses. But here's the deal is even though they seem like legitimate excuses, they cause these people to miss out on the party. And here's what you got to know. Write this down if you're taking notes. When you opt out, you miss out. Everybody say that with me. When you opt out, you miss out. Come on, say it again. When you opt out, You missed out. And here's what I know. Some of you have opted out on what God really has for your life. You got an excuse for everything. Why you can't use your life for something that really would matter on this planet. And here's what I'm telling you today. When you decide to make an excuse, here's what happens. You miss out on the goodness of what God has for you. The people in the story, they missed out on the party because they had an excuse. And how many of us are missing out on the, on what, on the joy of what God wants to tell, the story he wants to tell through our lives because we got an excuse for everything. And I wonder, what is your excuse? Like maybe some of you are sitting here today and you're going, well, you know what, I'd really do something for God, but I'm just kind of busy right now. Maybe some of you'd say, man, I'd be at church, you know, on Sunday, but it's raining out there. Or my favorite football team is playing. Or you know what, I'd get into a life group, but I don't really know anybody. Well, how do you think you're going to get to know anybody? Come on. I'd pray, I'd read my Bible, but I don't have time for that. I'd do that tithe thing, but, but the budget's tight. Man, I'd witness to my neighbor, but I don't think they'd listen. Man, I'd go through the life track, but they already started in their own week too now. Man, I'd give to the stories campaign, but kids got to have braces. And we just bought a new fishing boat. And we got excuses for everything. And we miss out on... The story that God wants to tell in our lives, we waste the story when we live our lives in fear, in laziness, in excuses. So you say, Pastor, man, I want to make sure that my story means something. I don't want to waste my life. Like, what do I do? How do I, how do I make sure that I'm not wasting my life? Well, I want you to see three things from this passage here today if you're taking notes. The first one is this. If you're going to make sure that you're not wasting the story, here's what you're going to, what you're going to have to do. Is you're going to have to recognize. Everybody say recognize. Yeah. 
Look what he says here in verse 14. Wake up, sleeper. In fact, nudge your neighbor if they're asleep. Just tell them, wake up. Wake up. Wake up, sleeper. And rise from the dead. In fact, this is what, this is what Paul was saying. Hey, guys. If you're going to live a life that counts for something, if you're going to tell a story that matters, if you're going to make sure you're not wasting your story, here's what you got to do. You got to wake up and you got to recognize what is it that's most important in my life. And here's what I see so many times is that many of us, here's what we do. We allow the culture that we live in to lull us into sleep. Everybody else around us is wasting their life. People that live next to us. People that our kids go to school with their kids. Like people at work. Everybody's just kind of sleepwalking through life. And here's what happens. Is that lulls us into this sense of, hey, you know, I'm doing something with my life. When we're not really doing anything with our life. And here's what Paul has to say. Wake up. Wake up and realize that at the end of your life, there's only going to be one thing, really two things that are most important. Did I use my life for God? And did I use my life for people? When it comes down to it, those are the things that are eternal. In fact, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important things in life? What did he say? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. When it comes down to it, that's the stuff that matters. And most of us, we live our life on all this other stuff that we think matters. But in the end, it's not really going to matter. And here's what Paul says. Hey, you got one life to live. And this is what I want you to do. Wake up and recognize what is most important so that you can... And use it for the things that really matter. In fact, it reminds me of this old guy one time. Old southern preacher. He was preaching to a bunch of students who had just graduated from college. And he begins to preach to them. And I'm going to need your help on this just a little bit. Because this old southern preacher. And he begins to preach like this. And he says, students. Come on, I need a little, I need a little amen in here. Come on. If you got a white hanky, you can get it out. You know, students. Uh, there you go, Stephen. All right. One day, guys. You're going to die. And when you die, they're all going to gather at the church. And they're going to sing some songs. And tell some stories. And then they're going to take your body. And they're going to put it in a pine box. And they're going to close the lid and put you in a hole and throw some dirt on your face. And then they're all going to go back to the church and eat some potato salad. (laughs) And when they do, students, what you got to know is, what did you live for? And then he begins to break it down. Did you live for a title? Did you live for what you could get for yourself? Or did you live for a testimony? Come on. And then he starts breaking it down. He goes all the way like through the Bible. And he starts saying, man, students, I know in the Bible, oh, Pharaoh, he lived for a title. But Moses lived for a testimony. I know Jezebel, she lived for a title. But Elijah, he lived for a testimony. Saul lived for a title, but David lived for a testimony. King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. He lived for a title, but I know Daniel lived for a testimony. Then he brings it all the way down to the New Testament and he says, Herod, I'm talking about King Herod. He lived for a title, but John lived for a testimony. And Pilate, he lived for a title, but my Jesus, he lived for a testimony. Come on. That's fun and it sounds funny, but you know what? There's truth to it. When you get to the end of your life, when they put you in that pine box, what did you live for? 
Some of us need to recognize. We wake up a little bit. Am I living for things that matter? Am I living for my title, like how I can climb the ladder? Or am I living for what I can do for the kingdom of God and for others? Because those are the things that really matter most. You recognize. Everybody say recognize. recognize. Number two, here's what you got to do. You got to strategize. Everybody say it. Strategize. strategize. You got to have a strategy. As George Bush would say, you got to have a little strategery. <laughs> Look what Paul says in verse 15. Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Another translation of this says, give careful thought to your ways. Guess what, guys? It's easy to get inspired whenever I talk about stuff like that or when I say, when I do a funny illustration like that. Yeah, I want to do something with my life. I'm going to live for a title and testimony, not a title. But here's the deal. A lot of us have great intentions, but not very many of us live intentionally. And here's the reason many people waste their life. The reason they get to the end of the life and say, man, I didn't really do anything that really mattered because we didn't have a plan. Man we, were, man, we were inspired. We'd come to church and hear a great sermon and get inspired. But then we go out on Monday and don't have a plan, a strategy for how we're going to live this stuff out. And let me just tell you, as your pastor, I love you. And I want to just tell you this, that if you don't have a plan, it ain't going to happen. If you don't have, you can have all the greatest intentions in the world, but if you're not intentional, you'll wake up. This, this is why at the beginning of every year, we get all excited and inspired about, hey, I'm going to do this this year and my, you know, change my life and have you know, all these resolutions that we have. But nobody has really a plan for how it is going to happen. And so what happens is that we don't have a plan. And so those who, those who fail to plan, they plan to fail, right? And so what you got to do is you got to give careful thought. In fact, some of you, the best thing you could take home from this message today is that you would go home and you would sit down for just a few minutes and give some careful thought to your life. And you would say, in my life, what are the things that I'm doing that matter? And what are the things that I'm doing that don't really matter? And what are the ways that I can make sure that I spend more of my time and my money and my resources and everything that I have on the things that matter and less of my time and money and resources on the things that really don't matter? you got to get a strategy. you got to strategize. In fact, some of you, you're here, and as we've been doing this whole, this whole vision campaign and stories thing, next week we're coming, we're going to make our commitments for the next couple of years, what we're going to give. Some of you, God has begun putting in your your heart, things that you, that he has called you to give. And it's awesome that you would have the faith to step out and make that commitment. But can I tell you, faith alone is not going to do it. You got to have a plan. You have to have a strategy. You got to sit down and go, yes, this is what God has asked us to do. But God's not just always just going to miraculously just drop it in your lap for you to be able to do it. Sometimes he does that. But most of the time it's because we have a strategy for how we're going to do it. I know for me and Amber, we want to lead the way in this. And so we have in our mind a, a number that we feel like God has called us to give and to do during this campaign. And it's, it's scary. It's scary when I think about how much it is and the only way that I'm not scared is because I also know it's not just a number that I'm writing down. I have a plan for how we're going to do it. And for us, we set aside a percentage above our 10% tithe. We set aside a percentage. You know what else we do? We put it in a separate account by itself that we cannot get to with our check card. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And we set it aside. And then when it builds up a little bit, then we bring it and give it. That's our plan. Because we know if we just stuck it in our checking account, guess what would happen? We'd turn around and it'd be gone. 
And some of you, you're going to have to have a plan. It's not just, hey, I got to have faith to step out and do what God wants us to do. Yes, that's where it starts, but you got to have a strategy for how you're going to do it. And so you got to sit down. For some of you, it might be, hey, I'm going to, we're going to do 11% this year, 12% this next two years, 15%. Maybe it's something else. I don't know what it is for you, but you got to get a plan. You gotta figure out how we're gonna do that plan, because this is the deal. If you don't, if you don't have a plan, then you're gonna, you're gonna fail. It's all, you're not gonna be, you're gonna get to the end of this two years and go, man, I thought I had a good intention for what I wanted to do for God, but I wasn't intentional about it. And here's what I know when it comes to giving. This is not just about giving, but here's what I want, here's what I know. There are three ways that people give. The first one is, if you're taking notes, is that most people, here's what we do, we give spontaneously. We see a need and we just, oh yeah, I got to do something, a homeless guy or, or a missionary or whatever. And so it's just a spontaneous thing. And here's the deal. God uses that. And sometimes God will even put it on our heart. Hey, I want you to give to that. But that's not the best way or even the most biblical way for us to give. Here's another way people give is they give sporadically. <laughs> and this is what this means is that, hey, you know, that, that I'll, I'll give a little bit here and there. And as, as, you know, as things are good and our finances or the economy is good or works good or I get a raise or whatever, then I'll give it here and there and that that God can use that too but here's the most biblical way to give you ready for this strategically strategize it put it in your budget plan it in fact this is that's what the tithe is it's God's strategy for making sure that he's first and that you use your life for something that matters and you know what it is it's hey it's not just about hey I'm bringing my tithe it's about I'm planning this into my budget and I'm doing it first. I'm giving it to God first. It's a strategy. It's strategic giving. It's planned giving. And here's what we do. We say, hey man, this is how much I have in my, in my finances. I'm going to set aside 10% and give it to God first. It's a strategy to make sure that God's first. And it's the beginning. It's, it's not just, it's not where you end. It's actually the starting points. And so you, some of you may be, hey, I'm doing that, but I need to step up to, uh, to the next thing and I need to plan 11% or 12% or 14% or whatever it is into your budget. And guys, before you say all it is is about money, it's not just about money. It's about your time. Like, what's my plan for how I'm going to make sure I'm using my time for the things that really matter? It's your family. Like, what's my plan to make sure that I'm strategically investing in my family for the things that matter, not just soccer and baseball and band and the, no, the things that really matter? What's my plan for that? It's my relationships, it's my talents, it's my resources, it's every area of my life. How am I making sure that I have a strategy so that at the end of my life I did not waste it? I got to recognize, I got to strategize. Number three, write this one down. I got to utilize. Everybody say utilize. Here's what Paul says. He says in verse number number 16, make the what? Make the most of every opportunity. You know what he's saying? He's saying... Everything I got, my time, my talent, my treasure, my money, my resources, everything that I got, here's what I want to do. I want to maximize it. I want to utilize it. I want to make the most of it. In fact, it reminds me of the story that we talked about a few weeks ago in this message series. Some of you might remember the parable of the talents, the master who had three servants and he brought to them, he gave them each a little bit of money. One he gave five talents, one he gave two talents, one he gave one talent. And here's what we, here's what we understand is that everybody had something. And the guy with two was not expected to do as much as the guy with five. He was just expected to do all he could with the two that he had. And the guy with one was not held at the same standard as the guy with five. He was just held at the standard was, what did he do with the one that he had? And here's what you've got to understand, guys. All of us have something. 
Some of you go, well, I ain't got nothing to give to that story's thing, and I ain't got nothing to do with my life. I have no talents. I have no abilities. No, no. In the story, which is a symbol, it was a symbolic of our stories and of our life, all the servants got at least something. Even the guy who had one had something. And here's what I know. Man, I may have more than some of you. Some of you may have more than me. But all of us have something. And you're not going to be held accountable for what I did with what I have. And I'm not going to be held accountable for what you did with what you had. But what I know is that we will be held accountable. I will be held accountable for what I did with the gifts, the talents, the resources, the time, the money, the things that God put in my life. And the same is true for every one of you. And here's all God wants us to do. Make the most. Make the most of the story. Utilize, maximize, use it to its fullest, the story that he has given you. And then look what he goes on to say at the end of this passage. He says, I want you to make the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. And then this is what I want you to do in verse 16. I want you to understand what the what. Everybody say this word. What the Lord's will is. You know what that does? Brings us all the way back to the very beginning, the whole main point of this whole series. Whose will is it? The Lord's will. Whose story is it? The Lord's story. See, here's the reason that we would say, I want to, man, I want to maximize my life and my story to everything, is we come back to the very beginning and say, it ain't mine. <laughs> it's his. I only have it, I only have this breath in my lungs. I only have this vapor, this mist, this moment, because God entrusted it to me. And one day I'll stand before him. Oh, pastor, all you're doing is talking about money. And that's what this series is. No, 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 no. It's about your life. What would you do with your life? Don't wake up at the end of your life and go, man, it's wasted. It's gone because you only get one. And it's short. It's a mist. It's a vapor. It's a moment. Wake up. Recognize. Strategize. Utilize. Make the most every opportunity because we live in evil days and times understand it's not about my will it's about his it's not my story it's his story and I want to use everything that I got to let God tell his story